deep breath in and a deep breath out. And welcome everyone to the Mindfulness Podcast. Today I, um, I we actually, me, not only me, but also Dristi, we, we are missing Pat because Pat has, uh, uh, he's on a retreat, right? Uh, so that we are, so we are not wishing anything to you, Pat, because uh, you, you can I mean, in a retreat you just get disconnected, right? And actually, even more connected, perhaps, than what we can. Um, but wishing all the best. So uh, we will have Pat next time. But today is me and Drishti. Drishti, how how are you doing? I'm good. Hello, everyone. Nice. It's um, um, today we had. Uh, well, the, the last of the five session in MBC that is now mindfulness-based connect experience. We were talking about um, looking inside and self-compassion. Um, very important topic. I liked a lot what um, you know the, the the group were sharing and saying, and it's it's nice. It's nice. I think you know every single time uh, there is a, one of these sessions. One thing I realize is that um, really the not mindfulness in itself, but the components, attention, additional attention, right, really can make the difference in the life of people, right? And also in the difference in how you you work, how you deal with others, how you overcome hard moments. And you see this transformation with just uh, a little bit of maybe additional software update, right? Mindfulness, it can be a software update if you're in, in computer language, right? Uh, it's just updating with new concepts, new ways to practice and to cultivate and to in, you know, just bring more muscles to uh, your attention and awareness. So that's nice. Yeah. Anything from your side? How is the experience yeah, no, in, in design? I, I, I started, well, not design, but this is more mindfulness. Uh, mm -hmm. I started watching, I don't know if you're also familiar, but Brene Brown, she has a new mm -hmm. TV show on um, Atlas of the Heart. And nice and books as well. Yeah, yeah, it's based on a book. Um, but there's this quote where she says, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's like, we are we think that we're thinking machines that feel, but we're actually feeling mm -hmm. machines that think. So it's like we're all a lot more emotional and a lot more driv driven by our emotions than we think we are. And we think we're a lot more like cognitively inclined. And like we think that we're a lot more rational than we are. So if you yeah. adopt the mentality and accept that you're just you are an emotional person we are we all think in very emotional ways and you can be a lot more compassionate with yourself kind of what you were saying right yeah. like you can be a lot more compassionate with yourself you can be a lot more compassionate with other people just adopting that mentality and understanding that that's the way humans fundamentally are so i thought that was a very interesting quote because the more you push yourself to think like oh i'm very rational i'm very this that it's like it makes it very hard for yourself but if you just understand like you know, I have emotions, I'm going to feel this way at times, yeah. but it's okay and you can move on from that more easily. So I, I don't know, I'm really enjoying that TV show a little bit. No, I, I don't think it's uh, on air and where I am, in the place I am here. Right? Oh, okay. But, yeah, uh, but I, I know the, the speaker, I, I, I know there are very interesting books, there are some videos that actually we, we play during the... Uh, the MBC as well, right? There is one oh, on, yeah, on blame yeah. in particular that is uh, yeah. shared and self-compassion. Um, so it, it's important. I think you know Brené and folks. Um, I mean, are, are kind of bringing important topic that is you know learning how to deal with emotion and self-compassion. Yeah. That 
you don't necessarily learn that from exactly. parents and school, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's very, um, you know, it's kind of a space that is, you know, it's hard to explore or maybe unexplored or weird. So it's, it's worth always to think about, right? How should I act in a certain way? How I feel? How should I react to certain feelings? How I appreciate what I do and who I am, right? And if I think that everything, like just look back on today or yesterday or the last week, almost all the memories you have about the day are connected with an emotional reaction with that thing, right? It's yeah. like even a beautiful thing or a you know less beautiful or less pleasant happening, but it's all connected with emotion. In particular, unfortunately, maybe, but the unpleasant yeah, memories are say. more vivid, right? Because how yeah. we are wired. Um, but still, it's connected with emotion. It's not a rational thing, right? Why, you know, you remember more, uh, you know, a nice breakfast you had rather than the rock you saw while walking on the street, right? <laughs> Just because yeah. of that emotion, right? The pleasure, the pleasure of that breakfast, the colors of that moment. Anyway, nice, uh, nice topics. I wish uh, we could have Brené one day in our podcast. Uh, that's yeah, wishful know, thinking, that's but uh, you know, maybe we can talk more about self-compassion with our next uh, next guest. Today yeah. we have um, a conversation we bring in the podcast after after our part. Uh, we have a conversation between uh, Daniel, uh, uh, that is you know uh, running this series of open conversation. Uh, authentic leadership series that is like these events that are happening uh, with the members of the community right and today we had you know we brought we discussed with dr david gruen that is our you know watson health chief medical officer uh, but also uh, was part already of this kind of open conversations so we invited uh, once more our guest to just talk in the podcast right we had a bit more deep conversation uh, so i invite everyone to to listen it's uh, more like a conversation between me david and and daniel right so enjoy that before that we can do a little short practice right so uh, i invite everyone to take the moment maybe if you don't have the moment now pause the podcast or just keep it um until you start listening to the conversation of Dr. Drew and maybe come back to this practice uh, later on, right? Um, so the first thing you start do when you start a practice is finding a place where you can be comfortable for a while, right? The place is important because this is the moment and place where I do the practice. Then you take a deep breath, right? Breathing in deeply, feeling lungs and belly, noticing your breathing, then you deep breathe out, so emptying and you know enjoying as well this experience. Then doing it again and allow the eyes to close or be halfway and pause. Take a moment to be in this moment. Then shift the attention on the breath. Breathing in mindfully, that means noticing the experience from the air coming in the nose, inside the body, 
then air getting out. And add to this more attention on what happens when the breath is observed. What is part of this breath? Think about that. Think that any time you breathe out, we somehow trust that there is air we can breathe in again. Trust for the word, trust for the air. This trust is connecting. We rely on this planet. Then you, when you breathe in, you breathe in many things that are have been built by, by the planet around. Oxygen produced by the plants, other, other elements around that are part of what was already present on the earth. There is also the possibility that what you're breathing in has been already part of someone else for a while. Somebody else was breathing that some time ago. Maybe if you're in the same room with someone, we're still breathing the same air. Then breathe out again and bring again this air to the world. Now repeat this process a couple more times. So you can pause now and continue, or just grab all your attention again on the breath and take a final deep breath, breathing in deeply, breathing out slowly, and opening the eyes if you have them closed. Okay, so I hope you feel more connected and ready for listening to our interview. So there's anything else you want to share with our audience? And that was a really nice practice. Thank you, that was very nice. But no, I'm excited for the conversation. We have a wonderful series of uh, events, as uh, many of you that are listening know, uh, the open conversation that are powered by the Mindfulness and IBM community. Because conversation is important for every one of us, 
uh, and mindfulness can be uh, an important, let's say, vehicle for allowing conversation to happen, right? Uh, so today, you know, in, together with Daniel, um, that is, you know, the promoter of the whole uh, initiative as such, uh, we have also Dr. David Gruen, that was our first guest, actually, um, into the, so I'm very happy that uh, we can really, you know, talk to the first guest and the one that, you know, kicked off the, the whole event. Uh, so thank you both for being here in, in our podcast. Uh, so let's start maybe, you know, uh, I, I want first to start with, with you, Daniel, like why did you choose Dr. Gruen as our first guest, right? Uh, to bring in our open conversation um, experiment and now you know it's a grown up uh, series of events <laughs> well thank you for bringing us back today uh, i think dr gruen chose me uh probably not realizing that but uh when when i met him in san diego several years ago he had just taken on the role of chief medical officer for um, watson health imaging and i said geez who is this guy you know he's uh he speaks he definitely speaks to my heart. And uh, I want to learn a little bit more about this guy. You know, is he is he real or is he not? Um, and I had a sense that he was he was the, you know, he was the real bread, you know, maybe for me, the gluten free version, because I just learned about, you know, the importance of that for me. But, uh, you know, non toxic version of of, uh, of a champion leader that was speaking um, gently, but totally speaking to my heart. And uh, I remember having lunch and just kind of sneaking in when he was talking to some other senior leaders and, and nudged in and introduced myself and said, hey, you know, I'd really like to get to know you a little bit. You know, we have a similar kind of way of thinking. Would you be open to that? He said, absolutely. And that started it. And uh, yeah, and, nice. and, and from that point on, um, you know, I had called upon him to support me with some challenging clients that I had been working with, um, some physicians that um, maybe, you know, didn't think this way. And I didn't actually even have to call upon him. I think he probably called me. That's that's the difference too. He just said, hey, you know what, I'm here to support, you know, this initiative of mm. doing the work that we do. And um, this is what I have to offer. So call me anytime. And, and I did, and he's been extremely helpful because of the way that he um, presents himself, not just yeah. presenting, but also the way that he practices. Okay, let's get now to, to our, uh, uh, you know, our guest here today. Uh, so, Dr. Grun, uh, one, one uh, in, in, in thing I, under, I understood from the answer of Daniel is that uh, in this conversation that started between you two, there is support offered, right? Is one of the elements of conversation as well to offer support? So what is the best way to to start a conversation then? Is it by opening it up or uh, connect with people? So how would, you, how would you start a conversation? Well, that's a tough question for someone who is believe it or not, somewhat of an introvert and somewhat shy. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? I, I seriously had no idea. <laughs> truly. And, oh, okay. you know, I, middle school and high school were some, some of my most painful points because I was an introvert and because I was shy and because I was pre-med and a nerd. That didn't help any either, of course. And 
I really tried to reinvent myself a bit in college and force myself out in med school and force myself out of that. But I think to some extent we're born who we are. And so inherently I'm shy and an introvert. What I've kind of taught myself and learned is, you know, a lot of this is, I guess, without being a psychiatrist, cognitive behavioral therapy, right? If I put myself out there and someone rejects me, it doesn't mean that I'm bad. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that what I said or thought was stupid. It just means that we had a difference in perception, opinion, thought, vision, whatever it's going to be. And Mm -hmm. as long as I can put myself out there respectfully and someone can reject me respectfully, that doesn't make either of us right or wrong. And that's kind of a mindset that I use going through business. And even here at IBM, right? People may or may not like our products, but this is a hundred year old company. I I didn't come up with a logo. I didn't invent most of the products. And if someone wants to go in a different direction, I don't take that personally. You know, it's okay. We can still be friends and have dinner and see each other at trade shows. if someone leaves IBM or joins IBM, that doesn't make them good or bad or otherwise. It makes us all people. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of mindset has helped me start conversations with a genuine curiosity to get to know others. And I think if you engage with a curious mindset, there's no downside. And how to get that curious mindset then? Because, you know, we, we what in the mindfulness community, we... Uh, we attempt doing right every single day with other other IBMers is to you know practice um, attention mostly right towards the various forms of where attention can be practiced, but with the main aim that this practice can improve our way to uh, you know focus more on certain things right, and in these things also is our openness, perhaps, our approach, our way to judge and everything else. So um, how, what is your way in this to, to practice, to have, you know, that kind of open mindset? You know, it's not easy. You're ask, these are very difficult questions because it's that trade-off, sorry for my kind of background, between being in the moment, which can be reactive, Mm-hmm. or being in the long game, which can be thoughtful. And I think we all have my darn cat, sorry. Um, <laughs> He's a, um, a lovely fellow that I is passing around. Particularly in the heat of the business moments, in the heat of interpersonal interactions, it's mm-hmm. often easy to think only in the moment, in which mm-hmm. case we sometimes say things we regret later, or Mm -hmm. don't make the most thoughtful decisions or the most mindful decisions. And it's hard, you know, it's that old lesson we learned in fourth grade, right? Count to three before you answer in the Mm -hmm. heat of the moment, because you may think of something that's more mindful or thoughtful or erudite or less offensive or more reflective of how you really feel than what the first thing that comes to the tip of your tongue is. Mm -hmm. And so these are all kind of lessons that I've learned is I've dealt with enough nasty people and heaven knows there are plenty of nasty people out there. Um, You know, let me give you a share another example. 
one of the things that our original conversation prompted me to do is to read more again. And I, mm-hmm. I love reading, you know, business leadership management books because I learn from all of them. And some of them are garbage and some of them are wonderful. But one of the best books I've read in a long time is um, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. And I don't know whether either of you have read it, but it was a New York Times bestseller. And the idea is that one can think about life. There are two mindsets, right? Mm -hmm. When we play any game, we can play a game as a finite game or as an infinite game. And finite games have sharp beginnings, middles and ends. Think about chess, think about basketball. At the end of the game, the rules define who wins. Mm life, business, politics are infinite games. Mm-hmm. IBM is going to be here far longer than I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, the success of the business, the success of the people, the success of um, what we're trying to accomplish as a team, I look at it as an infinite game. Mm-hmm. It's not, did we build a better application today? We're going to, that you know, we won right? There's no such thing as winning in business. Yes, we might get a deal that someone else didn't get, but that's the means to the long-term survival, which is the infinite game. And this has really helped frame for me the way I think about life is, yeah, I want to set big, you know, BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, because that's who I am and that's good for business. But I don't set them to win. I set them because it's part of the infinite game that we want to be here down the road, right? We want mm-hmm. people to succeed, people to thrive, the business to succeed, the business to thrive. And if we're all, you know, contributing our best and making the best decisions we can, all acting as leaders when we need to and followers when we need to and managers when we need to and managees when we need to, and we're all mm-hmm. contributing to that infinite game, you know, we win the infinite game. Does that make sense? And yeah. it's kind of my philosophy on life is, Think, think, think long term. Don't think short term. And yeah, we sometimes make silly mistakes and silly comments in the short term. But if we think about the infinite rather than the finite game, the world's a better place. So instead of solving what is now important, uh, we can think about what will be important uh, as well in in the next. That that is actually the ultimate goal of uh, sustainability, right? At the same time. So it's funny, as a follow-up to our last conversation, someone who was on it called me and she asked for very specific advice for her daughter in college about what courses to take to optimize her grades, to maximize her chance of getting into medical school. Mm -hmm. And I thought, boy, that sounded like me when I was in 11th grade and probably my mother too. But based on our conversations and perhaps where I am now, I asked her a different question I asked her what she wanted for her daughter. And was it for her daughter when she was 50 to look back and say she got an A in neurobiology? Or was it for her daughter to say, boy, I've had a a wonderful life, right? Have I played the finite game and worried about my GPA and taking the court to maximize my GPA and the right Stanley Kaplan or Princeton review to maximize my MCAT scores? Or have I played the infinite game, which is to have a meaningful life to enjoy college, to go to the right college where I'm going to get the best education, not necessarily where I'm going to get the best neurobiology mm-hmm. professor with a PhD to train me in the, you know, the makings of the fruit fly genetics, or am I going to mm-hmm. learn and love and grow up in college, which is the infinite game. 
And if I do all those things, well, then I'll probably do better. It will not inhibit my ability to become a doctor. I, in fact, might be a better doctor if I have mm -hmm. that meaningful journey rather than that finite, you know, win-loss journey. I'll pick the right career, and if it's not medicine, it's if it's botany, if it's not botany, it's being a teacher, it doesn't really matter yeah. where you find the joy. That will be a much better, for me as a parent, that's a better kind of decision-making tree. And I'm not sure I made those decisions when I was going through them. Mm -hmm. That's how I responded when I was asked those questions, as a response to this journey of mindfulness that I think we're all on jointly and collectively and separately. I'm not nice. sure, but I feel like this is all kind of pulling together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. It's uh, it's a way, a very nice way to frame um, how a mindset uh, uh, could could be to you know ease a conversation, even right. Anything you know, I couldn't imagine any even political conversation where if you think a finite game is the if somebody is right now or this law or this policy is correct now, while the infinite game is like what is about the, you know, humanity perhaps, or the whole nation for the next 100 or 200 years, right? And there, there is, I mean, one policy and anything doesn't really, um, you know, tell the whole story, right? You need to add a lot of things, uh, investment, and so then the conversation completely changes, uh, you know, every, every area of, um, in every importance That's so right. nice. you know at our last meeting we talked about i i consider myself a servant leader you know that's mm -hmm. kind of how i envision myself which is as we're thinking about the world in 2022 you know we're seeing the the fall of the servant leader and the rise of the dictator and that's a fair recipe for failure in my opinion in business is the rise in it, it, it may yeah. work transactionally but it doesn't work for the infinite game so what is what do we do? We guide and we steer people. We help them make the decisions that they're happy with and that are the right decisions. And you know, we set those BHAGs. We inspire and we energize. But um, we life is that journey about making the right decisions at the right time with the right information and holding ourselves accountable. Right? I want to make my decisions, yeah. and if I screw it up, boy, I don't want to blame anybody else. Right? I want to. Mm -hmm look in the mirror and say, David, you blew that one. Next, right? Doesn't make me bad or stupid or a failure because in the infinite game, it's not about winning today. It's about mm -hmm. the long journey. And so it all pulls together for me, this kind of servant leadership and, you know, carrying water and moving boulders and inspiring and um, mentoring and coaching and guiding and listening and hearing and providing advice. And boy, it's hard as a parent, right? You know, I think mm -hmm. about this every day and- well, uh uh, what a servant leader should not do then that uh, could help to you know understand what's what are the best way to be a servant leader right so i don't profess to be an expert at this um i think when one leads ethically with empathy and caring and compassion yeah. and thinks not just about the decision, but about the people, one is leading in a servant way. That mm. there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, in pushing people. I, I think, you know, I think BHAGs, those big, hairy, audacious goals are great, that I, they motivate me. Mm. But it's also okay to fail. 
right? You're not going to achieve 100% of those big, hairy, audacious goals. And the, the servant leader says, we gave it our best try. Now, what do we do? It's all hands mm-hmm. on deck. We're going to work together. We're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to set strong goals because they are part of the infinite game to help us survive. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we made the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. And look, sometimes people lose their jobs over bad decisions. And, um, you know, that's un- business is brutal sometimes. But at the end of the day, if you treat people ethically, you treat people with compassion and caring and inspiration and hold mm-hmm. everybody fairly accountable and not unfairly accountable. Um, to me, that's servant leadership. And there are some people that are in the wrong job. And I think the servant leader helps people find the right job. Yeah. Right. And all of this is, I mean, I, I think about my family, my, one of my children wanted to be a doctor for her whole life because her parents were doctors. And at some point in college, she realized that she didn't want to be a doctor. And the truth is that the servant parent says, you don't have to be a doctor. It's okay. You're allowed to change your mind. The decisions you had in 10th grade and 11th grade might be different than you have in college. And it's for me to help support you, counsel, provide answers and guidance as needed to help you find that which is right for you to find joy in life. Because um, the one thing we know for sure is life is not a dress rehearsal. It's an infinite game, but it ends, right? And so let's make sure we're making the best decisions at hand and giving things a chance. And I think the servant leader mm-hmm. is like, is is the parent who can, can teach our children to be self-sustaining adults. Mm-hmm. We're wandering a lot. There's a lot here, but I think it all pulls together. And right. You asked how we, you started with how do we open a conversation? And yeah. I think it's by listening and learning and hearing what drives and motivates by caring, by genuinely caring. Yeah. I was really reading once that the difference between helping and serving, right? Where, you know, serving has a much more um, kind of altruistic approach than helping, while helping is more, um, there is a bit of ego in the middle. It's like, I help you, right? And I, you are being helped, right? So you change the levels, right? Of While serving is really putting yourself on the same level of uh, the one that is next to you. So it's even more opening, even more uh, allowing, uh, let's say love to flow or positivity to flow or in human connection to flow. And that was an interesting um, uh, concept, right? That's uh, right. But, and, but know, I think servant leader has, has this, right, in, in its core. You know, as I think about my children also, my type A, overbearing, controlling, micromanaging parental instinct is to want to do things for them. But that's not helpful. Although I might think it's helpful, it's not. It's much more valuable to serve them as needed, which is to provide guidance, to give ideas, but to let them succeed and fail and be there unconditionally to praise their success and pick up the pieces as needed when they fail. So. Um, from an early age, mm, I don't, you know, my children pack their own bags when we travel because I'm not going to pack for them. If they forget their underwear and their toothpaste, they won't forget their underwear and their toothpaste the second time. Yet if they ask for a checklist, I'd be happy to create a checklist of what I'm packing, but I won't do it unsolicited. Mm-hmm. And I, 
you know, I, I can provide guidance, but yeah. if I tell them they have to pack six pairs of socks and four shirts, they're resentful. If I tell them we're going someplace where it might be warm and they may want to look at the weather before they pack, then they can make their own educated decisions and feel good about what they're doing. And yes, that's yeah. kind of a simple mind, but I see the same in leading. If our goal is to sell, you know, a certain number of things or design a certain number of things or meet a certain number of things, we hired people to make good decisions, not to make bad decisions. People are, you know, it's that, it's that old basic, basic premise. I've never met anybody who came to work any day to do a bad job, right? I mean, and, and that, that alone, I think, is, is my managerial and leadership philosophy is I've never met anybody who shows up to do a bad job. And they may not do it the way I would do it or at the pace I do it or in the direction I do it. But I really believe in my heart of hearts that people show up to give their best and to put their effort in. And yeah. that to me is servant leadership, right? Is to find the best in people and help them accomplish the roles. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Nice. Daniel, um, I let you uh, close uh, our today's podcast, right? How, how do you want to go from here? Well, you know, you mentioned the infinite game and what I thought about was, you know, when I sit in contemplation or whatever my practice is at the moment, um, the present moment is the beautiful moment and that's really is the infinite game of knowing that there are many more possibilities in this present moment than just the ones that we might <clears throat> feel that maybe you know our physiology is triggering us by so you really gave uh, you know me something to walk away with and think about in those you know one two three seconds that a it can feel like a lifetime of changes and possibilities within that very moment so just want to say thank you for the for the time today and your reflection and you. uh, sharing your wisdom yes thank you it's an honor to be able to help people. That's, you know, kind of why I went into healthcare and medicine. And if I can do a little bit of that in the corporate world and make the corporate world a kinder, gentler place for just a few people, well, then I'll have succeeded. So thanks for inviting me. This is an honor. Thanks for sharing. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, talk to you in the next episode of, of our podcast with more open conversations. Thank you.